Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Jeremy Boyce, 27 years of career and volunteer experience, currently a captain on Engine 13 for Kitty Hawk Fire Department. Jeremy was fortunate enough to learn from what I call legends of the fire service, such as Tony T2 Kelleher, Mark Edward, Mick McKenzie, Peter Lund, Nick Martin, and many other great Kentland firefighters who have moved on to career departments and have done great things. Jeremy has a great mindset when it comes to the fire service and what it truly means to be into the job. With that, I present Mr. Jeremy Boyce. Hey guys, this is uh, Jeremy Boyce uh, with Kitty Hawk Fire Department. Um, What got me into the fire service? uh, I've got to say family members on both sides of the family uh, going back a few generations, um, definitely had some schoolmates in high school where I grew up in, in Tampa, Florida, on the Hillsborough County area that were, uh, had, had family members, fathers, they were getting into it themselves, getting ready to get into the fire Academy after, uh, graduating high school. So, um, we lived in between two firehouses in Hillsborough County. So just, just seeing the action, uh, from those rigs going up and down the road every day, um, definitely added to um, me me feeling that it was a necessity to do that because it was just a, you know, that was, again, that's in the 90s. I graduated in 91. Uh, so I do feel while that was not 50 years ago, things were definitely different than when I came into the fire service at that time. Um, the fire police and EMS were just held to such a pedestal on high up on a pedestal that you wanted to emulate these guys and be like them. Uh, and I think that's, that's what really sealed it for me. I mean, I, at the time I didn't even, wasn't even looking at 10 days a month or 24 on 48 off or, or the pay, which was, you know, back then it was terrible, but <laughs> none of that stuff even came into mind. I was just like, man, you know, I, I've got to get on a rig somewhere. And it just was like a, I don't know. It, it, it just, it consumed me. And I think it consumes everybody because you don't even at that point, you don't, you don't understand the craft. You don't understand the brotherhood. You don't understand any of that. You're just seeing what you're seeing as a, as a younger kid or a high school student and wanting to emulate those guys. Um, I ended up joining uh, at probably one of the last Bali kind of combo houses uh, in Hillsborough County, which of course is in the the city of Tampa. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hillsborough County is a a ginormous department. I mean, they've got 50 some stations, 1300 guys on the job. It's, It's just gotten really, really big. Wow, okay. um, so I was, yeah, it's, it's big, man. So I was fortunate to have uh, an opportunity to join a volley house in such a big city and kind of get my feet wet, if you will. Um, and it wasn't long after that that they, they pretty much just took over any of the volunteer houses in, in that county. 
Um, so that was a foot in the door. Um, as soon as I got out of high school, I did go into Hillsborough County Fire Academy. Okay. So graduated in 91. And I think later that, that fall, um, within like two months of graduating, I was enrolled and got in the academy. Um, and then was assigned to, it's funny, Engine 13 <laughs> at Station 13. Um, that's the gun highway station in Hillsborough County. Um, is, of course, I'm on Engine 13 now. So the 13 has been running pretty strong. My brother, Nick, Nicholas Boyce, he's in St. Pete Fire. Okay. Which is the, the Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater metro area, which is a, again, there's 4 million people in that metro area. It's, it's, a, it's a big place. And he's been on the job 14 years. And he's a firefighter medic on, guess what, Engine 13 at Station 13. So... That's, that's what got me in, my man. That's what got me in. Something with the 13s. All right. All right. Um, what generation fire firefighter are you then? I will be, I guess, technically two. Okay. Um, I've got a, a great, great granddad that, that was also in it um, in another state. So it wasn't like three consecutive. So I'm, I, I just say two. I guess technically it would be three. Oh, no. Okay. All right. So we'll just say three. All right. Cool. Yeah. Great. And so you said you have a brother that's on in Florida. Correct. Um, I did not know that Hillsborough County was that damn big. Yeah, that's wild. Oh, dude, it's huge. I mean, it's they just keep they just keep taking over and taking over and annexing. It's yeah. There's the last I checked, there was there was over twelve hundred guys on the job on the floor. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that's more than Tampa. Uh, yeah, the county is bigger than Tampa. Absolutely, it is. Dang. I think Tampa's got six hundred on the job, maybe on the floor. Wow. Okay. Something like okay. that. Yeah, that's kind of it's it's funny how Florida works. Um, like you know, you have Orlando and all those other sub metro areas, but then you have like Orange County Fire Rescue, and Orange County is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, um. How did the switch? Let me all right, let me see which question I want to ask because I'd love to know. All right, how did you go from Tampa to PG? How did that happen? Um, so that happened by way of Carolina OBX first. Um, I, in hindsight, I was just out of high school, young still, and sometimes we make decisions when we're, when we're that young, that are not, they're not bad decisions. They're just not, you're not thinking down the line 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I think I was there a year and a half, two years and had family in Virginia in the Virginia beach area. Okay. So I would go up and visit them once in a while, um, you know, from time to time, which had, had nothing to do with fire, the fire department. Um, because I've always lived on the water and I've surfed pretty much all my life since I was 16 years old. So we would, we would go up to Virginia beach and, and, and surf when it was good. And I was just like, man, this, this is not that good. <laughs> and they said, well, wait till next weekend. We're going to go to the outer banks. Okay. So I had never, never heard of the outer banks. Like most people, you just, there's a lot of people that just never heard of the outer banks. Right. So, we went down and, and of course, in the early 90s, the Outer Banks was, uh, man, it was 
nothing, nothing like it is now. Of course. It was like a hidden secret. Yeah, absolutely it was. And I was like, wow, man, I just, I hit a jackpot because the surf here is awesome. The people are laid back. Um, you don't have to drive, but three minutes at the most to, to find a good wave and get in the ocean or fish, you know, just do, do ocean stuff. Right. And I just kind of fell in love with the place, man. And I, and I found out that, um, basically three, three departments were, were career slash combo. And you know, the rest of the, the county was volunteer. And I was like, man, you know, if I can, if I can get hired up here or get my foot in the door, I, I'll move here in a heartbeat. So that's kind of what happened with getting up here, uh, trying to find a place to, to stay, staying with some friends and getting um, my certifications from the Florida board to Carolina. Because mm -hmm. that was a big thing. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I went through an academy, eight to five, five, six month academy down there. And I was like, man, I don't want to do that crap again. Uh, so Florida certifications, like overnight, rolled over. I mean, they just like everybody likes Florida stuff for some reason. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it was, it, but Florida doesn't take anybody's. I know, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the fucked up part. But <laughs> yeah, yeah it's kind of screwed up. But uh, that's that's kind of what happened. And I came up here and I got my foot in the door, and then. A few years down, uh, I was on engine 14, uh, riding backwards at Kittleville Hills and uh, had a buddy that worked on uh, 16 engine in Nags Head. And, and he was, he was going up to PG and I, I don't think he was going to 33 per se, but that sparked my interest. So I started doing some research and I was like, good God almighty, these motherfuckers run, dude. Mm -hmm. and at that time, you know, 33 was running over 10,000 a year. Mm -hmm. and i i was like there is no way this is 100 percent volunteer there's no freaking way <laughs> and i come to find out it it was right right so i saw all the saw the you know the fires and the traps on the outer loop of the beltway like every day a couple times a day you know and of course you don't you don't look at the ems part of it nobody ever does uh <laughs> so i i called up there man and uh you know my 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 good buddy now t2 tony kelleher who's in dc you know he answered the phone i talked to him he's like yeah man come on up um you know we'll get you some gear and get you at that time it was different pg was different you could go up there and and do a ride along and, and have gear and, and participate and stuff uh basically exterior operations right um, outside vent roof stuff like that and then they would get to know you a little bit and, and bring you in so Long story short, man, I went up there and did like three ride-alongs and just hit it off with those guys, um, which several of them, you know, have known for a long time now, and they're, and they're good friends. Uh, and I just got my paperwork in, man, and got, got assigned a number and was there seven years. Was man. there as a live-in for, for a year. Uh-huh. And then the rest of the time was, was – uh, going back and forth from Carolina, I would go on like my five day breaks. Okay. Okay. And, like just, and go up there and ride. Yeah. Get my time in. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Damn. So you were, and, and I don't want to take any offense to it, but you were there for like the glory days back in the nineties. 
Uh, oh, at, at, at 33? Yeah. No, I was, I was at 33 from 04 through 2011. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I think Tony was still chief or he was, he was high up there, right? Uh, when I, when I, when I joined 33, uh, Mike Madison was the chief. Mike Matt. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. And he worked in Howard County. Okay. And when some things happened with, with, with PG admin and this and that, and he had to step down and then they put, uh, uh, I forget which Lee hand, Eddie or Richie. Okay. Them, and he ran it. And then when he wouldn't do what the County wanted, they knocked him down and T2 went in. Okay. So for pretty much for the most part of that time, I'd say six years, at least five to six years. Uh, T2 was, was the department chief. Okay. But still you around, I mean, those fucking, the, fucking legends. Dude, those are you kidding me? I, and I, I was like, man, I don't want to name drop, but <laughs> I'm not name dropping because I know these guys. I mean, it, you're looking at Jake Rixner. Um, You've got Madison, T2, Oleg, uh, Matt Hall, Maine, who's still there. We actually joined the same week. Um, then you look at the guys that, that are no longer there, and I, I had the chance to actually run with Mick McKenzie. Um, okay. Pete Lund. He uh -huh. was he didn't he hadn't passed away just yet. It was very, very soon, very close to that that time frame that I was there. I mean, uh, Nick Martin, you know, you got at the time, you, you don't really, you just think, man, these guys are good firemen. And then right. you step inside and you're like, man, these guys are heavy hitters. You know, Ro Roger, Roger Steger. Roger Steger, Steger. yep, yep. He's still at the eight by 10. You know, that's a good uh, dude. Uh huh. They're, they're all good guys. I mean, they're just, they're great firemen who absolutely live and breathe and eat that shit. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I just, just, I, I won't, I won't anyone listen. Like there's nothing wrong with you living and breathing that. Cause that's yeah. the, that's the only way to get proficient and good yes. at the job. Yes. Yes. You're absolutely and, right. And it doesn't help when you're in a County that goes to fires. That also is a plus. I mean, because, oh, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I always say this, you don't, you don't want people's stuff to burn, but, to be better at the job, you gotta go to fires. You have to. You, you yeah, you cannot you cannot tabletop this stuff, man. I mean, you can, but there is nothing better than real time getting off the rig and doing it for real because the, the tabletop stuff, man, the classroom stuff scenarios kind of prepare you a little bit, but it's it's the little stuff, the the mosquitoes <laughs> that will bite you and get you. And a lot of guys will sit there and say, well, I, I know how to stretch. I know, how, I know how to stretch a 400. I know how to talk on the radio and give a good size up and da, 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 da at the dinner table. And they're not bad firemen. It's just when you go out and hit the street and you pick that mic up and you're like, man, I, I know what I should be saying, but it's not coming out. Or mm -hmm. I know I should be stretching this way, but now I got a couple cars in my way or I got a, you know, I got my line pinched under a tire you've got to go out and do this stuff for real to know what to expect mm -hmm. awesome okay so what would you i'm sure your experience there running the amount of calls that you did being a living there for seven years definitely helped you helped you along uh helped you 
um, to go along with experience and your career, but did you adapt well to the way they did things? That, that was tough. So I, I was, I was there seven years. I was a living for one. Okay. Um, and even if you're, I think they call it an associate membership at the time, even if you're going up there every two or three months or, or whatever it is. And, you know, I'd stay three or four days. You're, I mean, some firehouses you can stay three or four days and, and get a handful of runs. Mm-hmm. You're guaranteed that place is, is a freaking fire factory. I mean, you are guaranteed in three or four days to get something or several. It just doesn't, I don't, I cannot recall any time that I was there for more than 24 hours without, you know, some, some kind of box dropping or several boxes dropping or, or a rescue local on the beltway. I mean, mm-hmm. and it, that's just not 33. That's all of PG counties. Like right. That, right. Yeah. Okay. No, that's uh, all right. So let's fast forward a little bit. You, you get that experience. You were able to be around what I call legends to, to pick their brain, ask questions, see how they perform, try to mimic what they mimic. How do you, how did you bring that back to uh, where you're at now? That right there, my man was, was tough. I mean, tough even even being in, in tampa and hillsborough county and that that's a that's a big city and they go to fires and they go to traps and all that crap too um their method of doing business is is drastically different okay and i don't mean that as uh the fire service is the fire service whether you're in california germany or ohio there's a right way of doing stuff and that carries throughout in general, what I call the fire service. PG County has a traditional way of doing things that kind of incorporates that metro area, DC, Baltimore, you know, Anne Arundel County, Howard, Montgomery, uh, Alexandria. They they kind of all, I won't say do the same thing, but it's definitely a different style of doing business. Right. When I would leave here, and be driving up there, you know, I was already kind of shedding my skill set or, or reshaping it to be up there because it's, it's a much faster pace. It's, it's a lot more serious. Uh, and you, you have to do things different up there. And then of course, then you gotta, then you gotta defrag when you're coming back and you want as a, as a fireman, you, you want to do fireman shit. And when you can do fireman shit and do it well, it's really hard to come back to your, your, your career department or whatever in another state, in another area and not do those things. Okay. And that, that can be, that can be a problem because you're on a certain level and you want to do things a certain way and you love the craft, the tradition but there are people I call paycheckers. I mean, they're, they're here for a paycheck every two weeks and they don't really care about running the line different or, or, or an outside vent man and doing things in those nature that, that you're going to be doing in fast paced environments 
and being around guys that just love the job. And like you said, legends, I mean, I, I named off a few, but there's, there's several more. Right. Right. So that's hard to bring back to a place that does not support that line of thinking or that way of doing business. It's really tough. And if you, you can't do that, you're going to have a, uh, <laughs> you're going to have trouble at your career department because it's going to irritate you because you yeah. know, you know that stuff's not getting done the right way, but you can't be, but so vocal um, before you really start irritating a lot of people and maybe some of the higher ups and then you're not, you're not progressing like you should. So you kind of, I learned to kind of keep some of that stuff under wrap and I would, I would do it by example and let others kind of see it and say, Oh man, that's, that's definitely a different way of doing stuff. Um, and that of course is not the time to say, well, that's how they do it in PG County. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it in Montgomery County. Because then again, that's borderline disrespectful. You don't want to try to cast a, a, a bad eye on, on your own department where you work. So right. Find, right. Find one in there, man. Okay. Okay. And you know, what's funny. So by, with me saying that this episode, the episode I'm talking about will have already dropped, but I interviewed, um, Alex Caldero. Yeah. Who, okay. who still goes up and does his his ride time at PG. And it's funny because he said the same thing you just said about how he would go back to his career department and it would frustrate him on like how they did things there or yeah. the lack of pride, commitment. And so like he had to check himself and realize, okay, not all places are like Kentland, PG, but he would try to just take little things back to make his department better. So it's funny that you said that and he said the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's just and Alex. I mean, I love that dude. He's, he's, he knows a lot of the same guys I do up there. Um, actually I'll, I'll see him tomorrow uh, up in, uh, we're teaching a truck company class up in uh, Blacksburg. Um, Chris Zach and I are riding together today to go up there and I'll see Alex and, probably Bobby Matthews and the rest of the hammerheads, you know, uh-huh. but Alex is, yeah, man, that dude's straight up and he brings a lot to the table, but he, you know, he works full time in Winterville. Right. So I, I feel, I feel his pain with some of the departments in Carolina um, that just don't, yeah, they don't, they don't practice that and they, I don't like to say don't support it. They just don't maybe don't know any better is a harsh way of saying it, but they haven't been around that fast paced or that, that way of, of doing business. So he's, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of con it's, it's comical in a way that we bring up the same points, but it's true. No. And you're right. I mean, and it's not a disrespect to any North Carolina departments because there are North yeah. Carolina departments out there that, that are holding their own traditions. They have standards, but it it is, it is different when you come from the North to come down South and you're like, Oh, okay. Like Alex's big thing was, you know, and of course you can relate uh, when you get a box of PG, man, you're flooding the scene with guys where he's at. You know, it was shocking to say he was like, sometimes they're retoning the next department followed by the next, because that other department still hasn't responded. You know, yeah, like it's yeah. it's it's a big culture shock of how fire departments are operating in certain areas where 
they don't have the manpower to flood the scene with with guys, you know, to to get the job done. But it's one of those things where if you're on a department that can't afford to do it, you got to be able to do it all. Correct. Yep. And he's he's in that. And again, yeah, you're right. That's that's not a that's not a knock on on Carolina because it happens in Virginia, it happens in Utah, it happens in Colorado. It's 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 just the nature of the beast. And when you can't flood that scene, man, it's like, well, you you know, you did you did Chris Zach's interview, you know, a few weeks ago or whenever it was, and you know, he kind of told you the same thing, where, hey, man, we're a four man engine company and we do engine work. But we might be there 10 minutes, man, John Wayne time, solo. <laughs> right. Which is, which is, is when you try to explain that to people, they're like, what? What do you, what do you mean? You got engine 14 uh, three miles away or you got engine 12 to the north. And I said, yeah, man, we're trying to change that. You know, um, like my, my current fire chief, he's ever since he's got here, he has tried to change that culture and get us in the right direction um, because it's just, it's, it's a weird thing when you're, you know, uh, scratching calls. Now, some of the really small departments here in Dare County um, sometimes have to get hit twice. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the main the main departments, uh, 16, 14, 13, um, 11, you know, we're, we're combination career stations like Station 12 Southern Shores. Uh, they're all volunteer, but they man those guys are quick okay. they're up they don't, they don't get hit twice and i know in alex's area that has been a thing for quite a while right quite a while no no it is i mean it's and it's one of those things it's it's i mean it is what it is i mean honestly that's the best way to put it It is what it is either either you know that that department's going to get a truck out or they're going to get retoned and I mean, nowadays you can't expect volunteers to be truly volunteers. Like they have to work, they got to provide for their families, and hopefully, the county, whoever's whoever, whatever individuals are on the board for whatever the case may be, need to realize, hey, we might we need to do something about it. And, and unfortunately, a lot of them don't because it's just been the way it's always been. We rely on volunteers, and it is what it is. But today, there's going to be a time where. You're going to have a major incident and the volunteers, no one shows up. And then so you're going to get the neck closest, which you could be 15 miles out or mm -hmm. 15 minutes out, whatever the case may be. And it unfortunately, it always takes something bad to happen to affect change. Yep. yep. They don't. So I think the I think the issue with that is is first and foremost is is the education. You know, they just they don't know, like you're saying, they don't know uh, the councilmen and commissioners and whatnot. They, they know of one method of operation that they've been involved with or around with for the past 25 years. And it's always been leaning towards a volunteer side and the taxes are down because they're not paying people mm -hmm. and they, they don't understand. They have not. And that's, that's our fault. That's the fire services fault, man. That's, that's my fault. That's your fault. That's, everybody's fault for not bringing that education to the limelight because they don't know what they don't know. They don't know. They just, they see a fire truck show up, man. And uh, maybe one or two more within a time frame, and whatever loss happens is, is kind of acceptable because they just, 
they say, well, those guys did what they could. They don't, they don't understand the time frames of, of getting pieces and men on the scene. They just don't understand it. They, they've never been taught that. They've never been educated that way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, that's hundred percent factual. They don't know what they don't know. I mean, you know, just like we, we do fire prevention month to educate people. Uh, I see a lot of departments are now doing like citizens fire training academies to let the citizens show them like, this is what we do. So they're like, Oh, okay. Educated. Um, I think hopefully we should maybe do that with council members as well. Like invite them like, Hey, come, come ride with us. Come see what we do. Hell put, put some gear on and we'll show you what we do. That way they get a better perspective of it. So when the chief goes to ask, Hey, we need money for this. They understand why. And it's not just oh, the fire department needs more money again. No, there's a reason behind it. Yeah. They, they, they do. They do. I, I think a percentage of them over time, just law of numbers. Um, they're, they're going to see it firsthand at some point. Hopefully they never do, of course, but you know, I, there's been a uh, several jobs in our, in our first do that and in second do that, absolutely people's eyes are open because they're looking at, you know, I had, I had a job where I was company officer um, uh, back in April, man. And we had somebody tap out. So we had a three man company and we go first do it two in the morning. And this thing is lit off, man. I mean, it's probably 70%, 80% going. And you got three guys on a wagon, you know? So, the whole, uh, you know, securing your water source, getting the right hand lines or master streams into play and doing your 360, all that stuff has to happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that are onlookers or seeing it are like, man, why is there only three guys here? Why is there only one rig here? Right. You know, and, and that's an eye opener for them. They're like, okay, well, it was 15 minutes before you guys had any help. And no wonder you're sitting down at rehab because you're, you're, you're gassed. So that, that's a big thing, man, just the education. Cause we don't, we don't want this stuff to happen to people's property or, or livelihood. Um, but when it does happen and they see it, I think a light bulb goes off sometimes. Right. Right. Okay. All right. I'm going to switch gears on you. Uh, I'm going to ask you what the term aggressive means to you. Aggressive to me, um, that I think being aggressive is, is putting the customers first, um, putting the citizens first and acknowledging that, uh, and this, this is a big debatable thing. There's probably people right now are, are probably going to have a few choice words for me, but I, I, I believe in my heart and it is my emergency. Oh, hundred okay. percent. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, if you have, if you have anybody, and I don't mean to cut you off, but if you have a, especially company officers who have that mindset when you get toned out for whatever and they go, hey guys, slow down. It's, it's not it's not our emergency. You need to go because you have inherited that problem. That is your emergency, but go ahead. No, yeah, and that's, and you know that that's a big topic, man. That's a big topic. People uh, from different realms of the fire service, different places, there's a lot that say, well, it's not, I don't want to get my guys worked up. I don't want to get worked up and make a mistake because it's not my emergency. Man, it is, dude. It is your emergency. It, 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 it truly is. You are, you are serving your community 
whether that's your first do or second do, those people expect professionalism. They expect athletes coming off the truck and they want you to mitigate their problem, period. And if you come off like nonchalant with your crew, or if God forbid you come off nonchalant on seeing when somebody's just lost half their house or their, their business or their pets, dude, yeah, you need to go, man, because that's disrespectful. Um, it is the emergency, man. I think about it where I'm at, you know, I live in Currituck County, um, and it's not highly protected here, you know, and I want it to be their emergency. I want my house to be their emergency 10 out of 10 times. You know, I want the best guys getting off the rig and going to work. So yeah, it is your emergency. And, and when you take it seriously, that, that delves into another, uh, aspect of being aggressive. So those, those are the two biggest things for me, but being aggressive also means being, um, situationally aware of your, of your surroundings or, or on the scene. Mm-hmm. Plus you got, you got to be trained for the task. You got to be proficient at it. You got to be flexible, man. You got to be able to change up tactics um, on the fire ground and change your thinking. Um, but a close second to that, that kind of falls in there is, is being experienced and being able to, to keep calm and clear headed because we know, we know aggressive is a, different term for everybody. And that's, that's why you asked this question. Uh, we, we see guys that are moving with a purpose. Are they moving with a purpose because they know what's going on or they've experienced this before, or are they moving with a purpose because they feel they're going to do a better job if they hurry up. So that's, that's not aggressive to me. That's, that's just moving quickly. And, if you don't know what you're doing or you've never experienced that or you don't have the training or the mentors, then yeah, man, you're going to, you're going to make a mistake. Um, but the, the guys that are not able to recognize the hazards and, and know when to, I say, you know, air quotes, go all in. If, if you don't, if you can't recognize the hazards and all you want to do is just go all in all the time, 100% on an interior attack or whatever the decision is, you're going to have a, you're going to have a problem. You might get lucky, but one of these days it's going to catch up with you. Um, I mean, the muscle memory thing, people talk about that. You get muscle memory from training. You don't get muscle memory from, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's time to go back to work. I've been off for two days. Let me, let me go back and we'll, we'll see what we're going to eat for the day and, and ride around this and that, man. That, no, that doesn't, <laughs> you don't get muscle memory from that. You get bad habits from that. Right. So the muscle memory on the good habits and practices um, when you're doing stuff, when you're giving size ups without even thinking. Because you've done it so many times in training on the floor, in the training room, on scene, that when you don't even think about it, that's when you can say, I'm not thinking about putting my gear on. I'm not thinking about doing a mask up or my size up. That allows you to see crap that's going on. Otherwise that you would not be able to see power lines. Um, You're looking at building construction. You're doing an interview with the homeowner. When you're doing that stuff simultaneously, you're improving, you're improving that entire scene because we know when you stop what you're doing, you get off the rig and stop what you're doing. You're not, you're not bettering that scene. You're, you're just prolonging it. 
And the quicker you get to it and mitigate it, the better everybody is. So, man, if you're worried about putting your gear on or worried about doing your mask up correctly and not using muscle memory, you're going to miss stuff. And when you miss stuff, that's not an aspect of being aggressive. When you can be aggressive, move with a purpose and do the right things the majority of the time, that to me is being aggressive. All right. I like it. I have, I, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Um, <clears throat> uh, in your opinion, do you believe, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? Uh, it, in, in a way, yes. And let me facilitate that before I sound like a, you know, just a, a career guy, whatever that, that, <laughs> the, the the fire i think that the the candidate or the fireman um before they're promoted needs to be competent in what like let's just say like department sops sogs you got to know your district you got to know the apparatus if you're if you're getting promoted to chauffeur or master fireman or whatever um you got to know your fire admin you got to know city hall hr maybe the career ladder and what it takes to get to that level as far as, you know, minimum standards. Now, that being said, that's kind of like a, on a paper thing. Um, all those things are don't necessarily replace job experience mm -hmm. or frame of mind or, or zeal for the job um, or time on the job even. Even if you came from somewhere else, I mean, you spent 20 years somewhere else and, and you came to a different department. Yeah, man, you, you might have gone to work in that prior department and uh, done, done very well and know your job very well and are experienced, but there's still a little, there's a couple little things that you're, that you're going to need to know particular about that city, town, or department that you want to be promoted in. You can't just walk in and say, hey, I'm experienced. I got this and I got that. Well, they're, they're not always looking for that. They're looking for that. But we know city hall and HR and stuff, they want to cross the, the T's and dot the I's, you know, as far as having the minimum standards that they're looking for. So a lot of those places will say, you know, Hey man, be a chauffeur or a master. You're going to have to have three years experience in this city or this right. town. Right. Um, so yes and no. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like they're not, they're probably not going to promote you if you don't have, those certifications that they want or that that time on the job in that particular district town city um the job knowledge the time on the job uh establishing you know sort of a, of a curriculum a personal curriculum for being able to act up whether that's going from a master or a chauffeur to a loo and going from like i was i went from a loo to a to a shift captain there are certain things that you, you've got to be able to do and be proficient at. And sometimes that takes time on the job. Now, Jeremy Boyce, I don't, I don't look at it like you got to have four years to do this. You got to have six years to do this. I don't, me personally. But we all know that we have to kind of appease um, the people that, that make those decisions. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I am a... I truly believe that like there is, I like when I see departments that, that have structure where it's like, all right, 
you got to be a fireman for at least two or three years before you can even consider promotion because that way you get the time and hopefully you can get some experience being a firefighter before you decide, Hey, like I want to drive. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's all great and dandy if you could pump and drive, but if you can't pull a cross leg, I'm sorry, you're, you're not worth anything in my book. It's like, bro, you can't even pull a cross leg. Yeah. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like worry about the role, worry about the primary responsibilities and functions of the role you are in. Try to become good at it before you can consider promotion. That's just my stance on it. Yeah, no, you're, I, I, I agree. That's kind of where I'm going with that. I mean, because there's now it also depends where you're at. I mean, it, I'll, I'll use, I'll use PG again as an example. And there's 21, 22 year old kids up there that, that you, you wouldn't look twice at, but I'm telling you, man, them dudes are run circles around most people. <laughs> right, right. I'm serious, man. They're, they're getting it. They're, they're getting theirs in. They're going to jobs. They're going to cut jobs. They're, they're doing it. And, in two years, when they turn 23, it's like, wow, what a, what a wealth of experience and knowledge these guys are. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's also that other side is is if you're 21 and 22, um, not not across the board 100 percent. But those are those are still in my my eyes, those are still kids that have to have some life experience, not even agree. I agree. Life experience. Just, I mean, you can't, you can't make a 22 year old kid across the board, a Lou or a shift captain and expect him to excel. He might, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm saying the majority of the times those, those guys don't have the life experience and the uh, hardships that they've experienced in life and made them right. You know, they're, they, they're, they're still too young to deal with, personnel stuff let's just say mm -hmm. in the station dealing with other members and, and knowing how to treat people and knowing when to crank down on people and when to step back so you got to have some life experience life years and a lot of times you don't get those until you've been on the job for a few i 100 percent agree with that 100 percent. you're right i mean because i can remember back in my early 20s man you know i thought i was I mean, we, you know, if you're humble enough to admit it, we all did. Like, you know, you thought that you were the shit. Oh, man, what are you talking about? I know how to do this and that and the other. And then you get older, life happens, life experiences happen. You become like a husband. And then, like, if you become a father, like, there's things that start clicking. And you should, as you grow in age, your mind should also grow in wisdom and maturity. So hopefully that, that, you know, that's what's occurring, but I a hundred percent agree with you uh, for sure. Yeah, on that. I mean, yeah, just, I, I was promoted uh, the first time around um, to a, to a Lieutenant when I was 24, 25, something like that. And I was a terrible, terrible fire officer, company officer, horrible. And, and that wasn't because I didn't understand the job. I had s some fair amount of experience. So, you know, definitely um, I'm 51 now. I was in a world of better shape. Um, but I didn't have that life experience yet. I didn't have that dealing with other human beings and what to do and what not to do. And all my officer leadership that, that I brought to the table was 100% 
task oriented, physical, on the job, doing stuff. And I, I was good at that, but that did not make me a good leader or a good company officer because I was terrible at the other aspects. I mean, I'm talking horrible. People hated me. And then now I can look back at it. I'm like, man, what a jerk. <laughs> so you, you just, yeah, you learn that stuff, man. You're like, gosh, I can't, no wonder they, <laughs> no wonder it was bad. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, like I said, it, it all comes with, with, with age and maturity. Um, hopefully you could be around, around people that will show you your mistakes and you're willing and able to accept your faults and accept criticism. Cause I mean, if you can't accept criticism from someone that's trying to tell you, Hey man, you could be a great, whatever engineer lieutenant captain but you need to work on this if you're not willing to accept that advice then it's just never going to work it's never going to click no no you're gonna you're gonna be telling people to go kick rocks you know and that's not because you don't want to accept that that criticism coming back from maybe a, a senior person or or whoever it, it doesn't even have to be a senior guy it can be a, a rookie on your shift and sometimes they're they're the best judge of character because they don't know anything yet. They're, they're looking at it from an infant's eyes at that point. And they're, they're taking in everything. And sometimes, man, they haven't been uh, jaded, I guess, is a good way to put it. So they're, they're seeing stuff for what it really is. Uh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Um, for a promotion, a company officer, which you are, are you in favor for, Simulated computer fire scenarios, which are which are great, you know they're great tools. Or are you, uh, or are you in favor of a scenario where you can have real people at like a training ground, even though it could be fake smoke? But are, are you in favor of having real people in real companies in real time at a training center, or are you in favor for uh, things on computers or iPads? Um, I've never, I've never taking an official tactical assessment for promotion with a, with a real life, real time, uh, based scenario. Okay. Um, I, I like that idea. So the way I kind of looked at that was for the official tactical scenario for, for promotion, I, I have more experience and tend to tend to lean towards the, um, computer based, uh, sims or, or whatever they're using and, and you, you talk your way through it mm -hmm. from start to finish, you know, from, from going out the bay doors all the way to calling the red cross for people, you know, the, the entire thing. Right. Um, now the real life scenario stuff, I feel those things started 12 months before every day is an interview. So I, I think, I really think a good chief officer or, uh, the training captains or the hiring personnel that are looking at promoting you or individuals. I really think a good one. Hey man, he's interview. He or she is interviewing you every time you're on the floor because you are going to go to some of these scenarios. Um, it may take some time to get to them, but you're going to do and going to go to the scenarios that, the, that they're going to grade you on. And some guy's mindset is, oh, it's not promotion time yet, or it's not, it's not time for this or time for that. So, you know, um, if, you know, if I mess up or I do something, it's, it's not that big of a deal. They're not going to grade me on it. Yeah. Yeah, they are. 
they're, they're grading you every time you step on the floor and then go out the door. They're listening to your communications or watching what you do on scene. So I think that for me, that, that plays a bigger part because it is an uncontrolled emergency. Even, even uh, scenario based stuff with, with uh, actors or, or uh, companies that do that for a living at a training facility. Yes. They're, they're mimicking um, the stress the noise, the the actions uh, that happen on the fire scene, but human nature, at least for me, is I, I always know it's training. In the back of my mind, I know it's training. It's it, they're not going to something's not going to happen to where uh, someone gets hurt or or they lose their property. So I I don't I don't mind it. I I kind of look at you're you're being graded on the street, and then when it's time for the, the uh, official promotional portion of it, they do a scenario based in the, in the uh, training room or in the car with a, with a screen or whatever, whatever simulation that they've got, because they've already graded you in the field. They've mm -hmm. already seen what you can or can't do. You're just putting the icing on the cake with this. Okay. Right. I don't know if I completely muddied the water. No, on no, 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 dude. It was, it was well, you, you explained it at least to me, you explained it well for me to understand so no you're good you're good on that um which characteristics holds more weight in your opinion years of service education work ethic or on the job experience so i looked at those questions and i i know it's which one is the most um i, I kind of put them in an order of importance um but if i have to say uh, education kind of comes last for me. And, and, and let me uh, expand on that. First and foremost, I, I think work, work ethic to me. Okay. Work, work ethic to me is, is, is number one. Um, then because I look at it, if you, if you have, we've all had the, the rookies come in or, or whatever, even if it's on a different shift and, some of these guys are coming in with some experience. Some are not. Um, but if they don't have work ethic, then that means to me that they don't really care as much as I do about the craft. Um, I guess that's probably not fair to say across the board either. But if you have work ethic, man, you're going to be open. That's already instilled in you to do this job because, hey, man, we hear it all the time. It's a blue collar job. Mm -hmm. It is. It, it's dirty. It's sweaty. It's hot. It's nasty. You're going to change your your uniform several times a shift. Um, but the work ethic brings a ton to the table. I mean, you can have a guy that comes in at 35 years old or whatever and has had a previous career where he's got a great work ethic. I mean, you can do anything with that guy or girl. They're, they're going to do anything that you want and they're going to have a good attitude. Um We've all seen the education guys. When I say that, you know, like my brother, my brother deals with it in his department. You know, they get, they're, I think they got 300 on the floor or something like that down there, but he sees it all the time. And he's, he's been passed up for, for paperwork guys. <laughs> I mean, Hey man, if I'm stepping on toes, so be it. But those, those guys are just, I'm not, I got to give, you got to almost give them credit in a way because we know they move up the chain like super quick, man. Mm -hmm. And they spent some time 
you know, in college or their EFO or whatnot. And hey, man, that stuff does not absolutely does not make you a good fireman. It doesn't say anything about your work ethic. It just says that you have a piece of paper that you attended uh, for, for whatever duration and you got the experience. So work ethic, then I say experience on top of that, because when you start to experience the job, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. There's really not a gray area there. Um, so when you have good years of experience and you're still with it, you're, I think you're, you're enjoying the job and you, and you want to perfect the craft and, and pass that on to people. Um, then time on the job kind of comes after that. I wouldn't say education is dead last because that's just, that's probably not a responsible thing to say, but you get that education while you're doing it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, that, that's, that's perfect. I was going to interject, but that's the perfect way to say it. You, you need education in this job. You got to be able to read buildings, understand different types of buildings, understand if you pull up and you got a hellacious wreck, okay, look at the car and figure out which, which portion you're going to start to cut on. Like that that's education. But when you hold paperwork or, oh, this person's got several acronyms after their email yeah. signature, like, right. okay, that's great. Like, I'm glad that you went and you, and I'm not knocking anybody that has college experience. You know, you, you got your, you got your, your degrees, your masters, uh, your executive fire officer. That's not what I'm saying, but we need to stop we need to stop promoting people just because they have that. Like, it's great you have that, but if you don't have the experience, if you don't have the knowledge of being on a truck to understand what it's like, those, that's where the issue is. I, I believe that's where a, a lot of people have issues where paperwork is, is looked at higher than experience. Because yeah. at the end of the day, when you pull up to that structure that's 70% involved, the parents going, hey, some whatever my kid my family member my cousin is in there paperwork's not gonna do shit for you like you can't rip piece, pieces out of jones and bartlett and throw it at the fire to go all right tell me what to do like you gotta yeah. have the knowledge and the experience so that so that that kind of uh leads me into to something for, usually usually those guys with as far as i've in my experience certification guys that that come in and do exactly what you're saying. Those nine times out of 10, those are the dudes that thump their badge. Yes. 100%. You know? Yes. So those are the guys that, that, that want to uh, want you to clearly see captain on their shirt or the bugles or whatever it is, man, because that's all they got is that certification. Hey, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. But you know, firemen, no firemen. I can tell you when a fireman walks into the day room, you just, you just know, you know, in the first five minutes of looking at the guy or girl or talking to him, you know, a fireman from a dude that's, that's, that's laying on a bed of freaking paperwork every night. <laughs> you just do. I mean, it's just, a, it's just the feeling. So what you're saying, as far as being able to react because of experience, you know, we, we talked about it. Uh, um, Justin wanted to do a podcast on an experience I had couple years ago in, in Smithfield where we teach truck company class and a lot of these guys that I know are from there you know we had a first do job with, with it with a grab it was a bedridden lady and it was a true VES man 
first one in my career, man. First one. And I don't remember any of it hardly because I came off the rig running across the yard, doing my front porch drill as I went. And Hey man, this lady's right here. She is in this room and it was go time. That wasn't a time to sit there and go on. What am I going to do? What am I supposed to be doing? Hey, I don't, I don't remember much of it, Danny, because it just, I went in the window and, and, and did what I did now. And it, <laughs> she was, uh, a larger lady and she was bedridden. So it took, I think it took 10 of us Damn. To, get, to get her out. And we had to do like a, a mattress carry to the, to the alpha side window. It was a, it was a bay window double and set up two ladders, you know, the deal and, and, and got her out, man. But Hey man, that shook me to my core. I, I went to um, the hospital with some smoke inhalation. So I, I learned a few things on that one. Like I don't, when I'm when I'm ducking in a window or, or rolling into a window, I, I don't go head first anymore because I, okay. you know, my mask got pulled off my face, um, hitting a piece of furniture. So that stuff you can't you can't teach. There is no class. There is mm -hmm. no class on the face of this earth that's going to teach you that. And there's not a class that's going to teach you the sickening feeling of of. This is a real fire, man. This is not a training building. There is a human inside there and it is on fire and there is no visibility. And I just got my mask pulled off my face and I ate smoke. You know, that's a bad feeling. It's a bad feeling uh, when you run out of air. I ran out of air at the same one and had to go back out the window. You can't you can't teach that. There's no paperwork that will give you that feeling in your stomach that, hey, man. I might die, dude. This is this is serious. And I feel privileged for having to gone through through it. And, and the, the rest of the guys at Smithfield that backed me up um, and from the other departments, Carrollton and whatnot, that were there that helped out and, and we got the job done. But none of those guys were paperwork guys. They were all firemen and they. It was muscle memory, man. It's just you can't. You can't replace that. That's just something that you can't sit in a class and learn about it. You can hear the war stories, but it doesn't resonate with you until you run out of air in a bedroom that you've never been in before. And it's not training smoke. It's not theatrical smoke. It's, it, it's the real stuff. That's the real deal. <laughs> yes. And some, some guys go their whole career without doing that. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't say, Hey man, I made a grab. I didn't. Jeremy did not make a grab. Jeremy was part of making a grab. Um, you can't you can't do it without other guys. And I couldn't have done that with with somebody that that rode their whole career thumping their badge and laying on a bed of paperwork. <laughs> they probably wouldn't even have went in. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I slowly but surely we are starting to 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 take that back. And when I mean we, I mean, like aggressive, forward thinking, positive firemen, because. You know, at one point, which it might still occur, but at one point, you know, we were kind of playing God when we pulled up or wh whoever incident command was pulling up and they're going, OK, yep, I got fire blowing out of uh, whatever, three, four windows. Yeah, if anybody's in there, you know, they're done for. Meanwhile, yeah. you have a window on the D side or side four or however your department utilizes those terms. And it's just light smoke coming out. Hey. Yeah, I understand. If you got fire blowing out of a window, if anyone is in there, 
chances are they're you know they're they're not going to be able to 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 withstand the heat and the smoke and all that. But if you have a window with very light smoke, no fire, get in there, do a quick VES, close the door, do a quick search, then get out. At least you know, hey, I attempted, I wanted to make sure nobody was in that part of the house or right. whatever building, whatever the case may be. But you don't, you don't, you don't roll into a window, um, especially at a, at a real job and not a training fire without knowing your, your job in a way you don't do that based on what class you went to last week or what, what paperwork that you got back from the, from the state fire college, man, that's, that's a, that's a serious commitment. And when it doesn't go well, you can't, you can't beat yourself up. Cause like you said, we're, we're not God, but you know, we did our job and we got her out alive. That it's, it's in someone else's hand after that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we have no, we have no bearing on, on what happens afterwards. But the funny thing about this was I was at, at Smithfield, you know, a, a couple of days before, before that I've been there about three days building props for, for the truck company class. Right. That, that, that was to happen like less than two weeks from then. So <laughs> it was kind of weird in a way because I, I, you know, I'm in the VES station with, with Jack Reeks and, um, Kurt uh, and, and a couple other guys that routinely teach that that portion of, of truck company school, and it was fitting, man. I mean, it was literally—I think it was less than two weeks from the truck company class. So, you know, the first day, the Friday, the kickoff, the registration, and the lectures happened. And you know, Jason Stallings and Jason Kepke come up to me, <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, you're going, you're you're going to go up and share your experience in like five minutes." I'm like man, are you serious? <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the heads up here guys. But right. it, it was good because it was like, man, how much fresher could it be that you're, you're, you're doing VES at truck company operation school. And you literally had a real life, real deal one less than two weeks ago. Right. No, no, I get it. I get it. And I mean, I'm, all I've been thinking since you said that is, you know, with VES, most of the time you go, you do go in head first. Now you clear the window, you, you know, I, I have been, uh, you know, with taking outside training, I used to do the method of once I clear the window, whatever tool I have in my hand, I'm immediately like hitting the, hitting the ground or whatever the material may be hard, but I was then taught, hey, what happens if there's a victim right there and their head's right there? That's you right. know, I have now bashed their freaking head with right. the Halligan. So what I do is I I lightly sound the floor. Like, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember, I think it was search culture. Shit, I'm, I'm going to butcher it. But there was a video recently of, I don't remember who it was, but he was inside of his house and he was like, okay, I'm going to sound the floor, right? And as he's sounding it, he's like, it was pretty much the thing of you can sound the floor all you want, but it doesn't mean that, you know, the structure won't collapse on you. Like the way he explained it, and I'm, I'm probably butchering it, but the way he explained it, it made sense. He's like, why do we teach people to sound the floor? He's like, obviously 
you want to make sure that there is not a hole in front of you, which is why you no longer crawl on all fours anymore. You you right. have that posture where you keep that one foot out in front of you and you're looking up. But, you know, yep. we have training scars of sound the floor, sound the floor, sound the floor. You can sound the floor all you want. That's great. It doesn't mean that it, something won't happen. You know what I mean? Where, 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 where you know, you, you fall through it. But um, anyways, but I, I kept imagining how you said once you dove in, you're right. Like any little piece of furniture that you can't oh, feel, once yeah. it gets a hold of your the um, – the 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 soft hose of the regulator, man, that can easily pull it off. And yeah, you're done right there. Oh, dude, it was. I'm telling you, I, I was, I was, I was scared, dude. I mean, it's it, it shook me to my core because we're always we're always supposed to be in charge of our PPE. We're always supposed to be doing this and doing that, and that was one of the biggest things that. So, uh, you know, Jack Reeks and Kurt Wilczek and myself and, and a couple others, we we do the VAS every year at this at these schools, and one of the biggest things that we we hound on is if you're doing and I say VES, man, I I, I don't say VEIS all the time. <laughs> right, right. No, you're good. You're good. It just I'm sorry, dude. It just it falls in the category of transitional attack. I, right. I can't spin those two terms. But anyways, that's just me. It's like, you know, when these guys are training and doing VES training in a burn building, sometimes even acquired structures you got to start making them realistic. I, I can't stand going to a burn building and bailing in a window and there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. That's not real, man. People got stuff in their houses. You know, what got me was a, an end table next to a bed and it pulled my mask off. So why are we training these guys to breach or roll into a window and there's no furniture, no bedroom furniture near the window. That's not, it's not realistic, man. I mean, look at your own house. Yeah. You got, I mean, you got stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, I've I, I picture on my, our master bedrooms on the first floor at each window, except for one window, I have two end tables, you know, at, at the edge of our bed, we, my wife has an end table. I have an end table right at the windowsill. So if you break through, and you, yep. you use your tool, you're going to hit the top of my end table. That's not That's the right. ground. It's, it's, right. it's a piece of furniture. So you're right. You're right. I mean, it's, it's that. And so, cause if we're, if we're not training these guys and mentoring them through, through on the job, real life experiences or whatever to, to approach things um, in a street, streetwise, street smart, you know, ghetto fireman, if you will, they're going to make the same mistakes that I made or if you've made, um, you know, another thing is we, it happens every year at truck company school and Bedford Smithfield, wherever we're doing them guys come off with uh, roof ladders or 24s or whatever. And they're going to floor two, you know, to do, and they're, they're taking the window. So when you're, when you're, ventilating just for ventilation yeah man take the ladder rungs and, and knock that thing out but when it's a vs you can't do that you, if you if you crash that window hey man you, you just made things tenfold worse for anybody in there 
because you're not nine times out of 10 of these guys, when they, when they crash that window with a ladder, they're at the base of the ladder. They don't even have their gloves on. They're not masked up. They're not ready to go. Mm-hmm. If you crash that window, buddy, you better be ready to go in an instant and get somebody out of there because you have created a new set of problems for them by introducing air. Right. And if we're not training these guys to not do that, or don't just blindly roll into a window without checking the floor or checking for furniture, they're going to repeat the same mistakes that, that we've all done. And, mm-hmm. and that's not worth it. That's mm-hmm. getting somebody hurt or it could scare them enough to where they, they quit the fire service and they might've been a, a really good fireman. No, I, I mean, I'm a firm believer. How you train at the training ground is how you are going to do it in the real world scenario. I have never, anybody that says otherwise, I'm sorry, you're full of shit because how you like when it comes to your training at your department, if you roll off the truck at a slow pace, nonchalant, you're not really emergent, then that's how you're going to be when it comes to the real world. And if not, you'll be running around like you're, well, as the, as the phrase go, you will be running around with a chicken with its head cut off because you're, it's just adrenaline at that point. Hell, you're probably not even listening to what's going on. You just hear work and fire, blah, blah, blah. You know, the whoever, whatever first on scene officer, whether you're on the rig or first in battalion chief, will set the tone of how it goes. If whoever or whatever officer arrives first, if you are high pitched, panicking, screaming on the radio everybody's going to be all rattled like it's just like proven fact you always hear what i call the greats man they roll up they can have fucking jumpers flames (laughs) out the windows and it's just like easy monotone just chill like expect fire expect victims that's what they say right it's all over these stickers and stuff but it's true when a alarm comes in you shouldn't be surprised where, oh, shit, what do you say? Working fire? Oh, damn. Okay. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, you you can't – I know for me personally, I, every every day I go in, man, I, I, and I think it's a good thing. I get that that tingly feeling in my, in my belly that, hey, man, this is, this is another day, and this is another 24-hour opportunity um, to, to go to a fire. Where, you know, I don't, I don't think about the, the other stuff that can happen. I'm, I'm preparing myself and my crew to go to a fire in that 24 hour time frame. Um, you hit the nail on the head with the training stuff, guys coming off. Oh, it's just training. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to put the, the tick on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, just, it's just a training scenario. I'm not going to use, um, my rope bag or I'm not going to carry the same stuff on my gear or, or whatever that I usually do. No, man, you need you need to have all your PP on exactly the same as when it's for real. Because if you don't do that, if you if you I say cheat and wear stuff that that doesn't uh, that doesn't that you don't wear on duty going to a real fire. You're not going to be proficient at it. You're going to be, like you said, running around going, hey, oh, man, this is this is different now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you, you train for it differently. You train with a different stuff. You, you didn't, you didn't give it a, you didn't give it a chance. And the guys that, that are first on scene, your, your battalions or your chiefs or, or the first engine company. Yeah, man, straight up. I, I know early in my career, when I first started driving, uh, my, my foot 
went to the floor because I heard the, the size up and it was excited and it was night and you could see that glow. Yeah, man, I, that sets the tone. And, and like it or not, you go into kind of an overdrive and, you, and your adrenaline starts pumping and you miss things. But when you've got that sky lit up and that, like you say, that monotone, that cool, calm, hey, man, okay, engine 13, you need to come in and, and pass the hydrant. Let's get it with tank water. Close. Or, hey, you know, we're, we're doing a walkout right now. We got a, we got a walkout patient. Or, hey, man, there's there's somebody supposedly on floor two. You got to keep that monotone because it, it drives your department up, your mutual aid. Everybody gets all sprung up for for, for nothing when you should be expecting that every shift and you're a professional act like it. Boom. Perfect way to end it. <laughs> Whether you're volunteer or a career, you are that's a right. professional act like it. I mean, that's, it's, it's bread and butter, you know, like I, I don't know what, especially nowadays with individuals and cell phones and recordings, man, you don't want to be caught on statter uh or having like <laughs> billy g share it or all these other uh, all these other uh instagram fire department pages show you running around your helmet gets knocked off you're running around you don't have your gloves in or you forget something on a truck you don't want to be that person practice yep. how you play how you practice is how you're going to play that's that's, that's me that's that's 100 percent to me how how, how it's going to be if you half-ass it you're going to half-ass it yep. in the real world um, but no, I mean, I, 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 I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, uh, pal. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking, sharing your story about the, 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 the VES that you had or, or the VES you were a part of. I mean, right, yeah. like I said, man, that, that, that I, I just, I just kept picturing when I have dove in like easily, man, it could just pull off. And if you oh. got smoke in that thing. Man, all it takes is one or two good inhalations and you're yeah. done because that shit burns. Well, that's that's what happened. And I came back out the window after I was sucking rubber and and the EMS guy was walking around. He's like, hey, man, you're, you're going to the I'm like, nah, I'm, you know, true fireman. Now nah, I'm good, dude. Let me get another let me get another bottle. He's like, no, you're throwing up your 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 vocal cord. I can tell the difference in your voice already. You're going to the hospital. Because you you took three good puffs off of that nasty black crap, um, you know it's not a smoke machine. It's the real stuff that'll that'll hurt you. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, man. Like I said, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, man, and uh, and dropping some some gems for people to hear, especially when it comes to training. Um, so I just want to say, like I said, I just want to say thanks again, man. Like this, this has truly been a really good conversation. Thank you, man. It's a privilege, dude. I'm, I'm honored to, to be able to do it and uh, and and talk to you kind of one on one here. But we know it's going to resonate with with many, many other people that listen to it and might pick up something. Absolutely. Even if it's one person, man, that's that's one more person that you we, we've we've been able to make a difference to. So, like I said, man, I, I appreciate it. All right, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, 
contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.